first down, they hand off to Marlon Mack. Huge hole, 50-yard line. He's at the 40, still going near sideline. He's at the 10, he's at the 5, and he will score. Touchdown, Marlon Mack. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. And again, it's picked off. It's Darius Leonard. Leonard with a second INT. And he's streaking down the near sideline. He's at the 40. He's at the 30. He's at the 20. He's going to go. A pick six for the Maniac. Horseshoe is back, baby. The horseshoe is back. What's going on, Colts Nation? Welcome back to another Bring the Juice Colts podcast. Thank you guys for coming in. And today we're going to continue our series on breaking down and grading the positional groups for the Indianapolis Colts after the 2020 season. And today we're going to be discussing the wide receivers. We've seen a lot of different names in this this season and a lot of different ups and downs for a bunch of different guys this year. But we're going to break down a couple of these. Cody, I think it's only fair that we start this group by talking about the guy who is the veteran of this group, and that would be T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton, who started the year off really slow, a lot of people questioning, including us, questioning whether or not he was going to be the guy going forward. And then, you know, at the end of the season, started picking it back up, started showing the T.Y. Hilton that we all knew. What was you say about T.Y. this year? Yeah, and and this was something that, you know, going into the season, T.Y. Hilton even approached uh, some of the Colts' upper management and basically said, and Frank Reich, and basically said, look, I understand that my targets probably won't be the same. I just want to let you know that, like, that's okay. So I think that was certainly interesting and just speaking to the player that T.Y. Hilton is. And, yeah, he did have a little bit of early season struggle that we saw, a couple drops here and there, but, you know, it was nothing like T.Y. Hilton that we're used to, right? It was kind of strange, but – you know, kind of that slow start really helped him pick it up as the season progressed. And he was probably the healthiest I've seen T.Y. Hilton down the stretch in a long time. So overall, you know, the stats maybe weren't specifically like T.Y. Hilton-esque stats like we're used to. And I think in part due to, you know, obviously the age, but also just the fact that the Colts do spread the ball around so much. But at the end of the day, Hilton finished as the leading receiver for the Colts. So it wasn't like an awful season for T.Y. Hilton. He finished with 56 receptions, for 762 yards and five touchdowns. So it wasn't like a season like less than 500 yards or something like that. So I think for that, for right there, T.Y. Hilton had a pretty decent season, especially considering, man, how much the Colts like to spread the ball around. Yeah, absolutely. We kind of did mention that as well at the beginning of the season that we thought that that was going to be the main concern for you know, especially for your fantasy teams, if anybody cared that, you know, Indianapolis Colts wide receivers are probably not the ones that you really wanted to talk about. And why don't we go ahead and now talk about our number two wide receiver. And that would be Michael Pittman Jr. Michael Pittman Jr. Who went down in week four with, uh, with a leg syndrome that kept him out for several weeks, had to get a small procedure done on that to help his leg. And he came back strong, Cody, and he really showed some potential. You know, some consistency is still an issue there. You know, not all rookie wide receivers go straight into what they want to do. But, you know, and there were a lot of games and a lot of different flashes for Michael Pittman this year that showed that he's really got what it takes to make uh, an impact in this league. What what was your overall impression of uh, Michael Pittman? 
Yeah, I mean, started off a little bit slow, I would say, from a statistics standpoint. Uh, but he just does a lot of things. Obviously, the off like the stats won't catch. Like he's a really good run blocker. Did have some dumb penalties though. It seemed like about every week he had a holding penalty or something like that. Um, but no, you're right. T.Y. Hilton really started, or T.Y. Hilton, Michael Pittman really started to come on there. Uh, you know, later on in the season, you know, he had a couple really nice games uh, and really was turning it on. I mean, really was. And that Green Bay game, I think, was the first. Uh, time he scored his first NFL touchdown in that game it was the first time we really saw what Pittman is capable of and the speed he has at being what six four six five over almost two hundred thirty pounds. I mean this dude, man, he he's a big guy, a big target. We saw him develop. I feel like more in that Buffalo playoff game, which obviously stats won't won't catch that in a regular season. But overall, I, I really liked what I saw from Michael Pittman. At the end of the day, he still had 40 catches for over 500 yards. So the dude still put in some work, and he, like you said, he missed multiple games due to that uh, that leg syndrome thing. So, you know, not playing all 16 games and still having over 500 yards as a rookie with how he said with Phillip Rivers like to spread the ball around, man, I'll take that every single day of the week. Yeah, and, you know, we kind of talked about his touchdown numbers and how he only had one touchdown on the year. We thought he was going to be a major red zone threat against a lot of teams this year, but Michael Pittman Jr. just never targeted in the red zone very often. We saw that he was targeted in the Buffalo game, just wasn't able to make plays in the in the end zone there. But we certainly hope to see Michael Pittman get utilized a little more in the passing game in the red zone in future years once Pittman starts to get his feet from under him. And let's talk about Zach Paschal. Our guy, Zach Paschal, who's been uh, Mr. Reliable again this year, played all 16 games, 44 catches for 629 yards, and tied for the team most with five touchdowns. So had a lot of uh, big games uh, and a lot of great plays this year. And, you know, again, Zach Paschal showing that an undrafted free agent was completely worth it to bring him in here one of the few guys that, you know, despite the team kind of doing a serious overhaul, Zach Pascal still making big plays and still going out and doing what we expect Zach Pascal to do. I mean, uh, just another phenomenal season from Zach Pascal. Hmm. Yeah, you said it. I mean, Pascal was the second most targeted receiver on the team. So if that tells you anything, he was a third uh, most targeted player. You know, Naheem Hines, obviously, and T.Y. Hilton. But... Yeah, I liked what I liked what you said there. Uh, I, I really liked what Zach Pascal brought. You know, he's never going to be a guy that's like scares defenses and keeps coordinators up at night. But you mentioned it, man. He he's such a reliable receiver. That's that's something that we kept saying and saying over and over. And Zach Pascal's just that guy that you would love to have as your number three, number four wide receiver all day long. And uh, man, he did a really really good job. I think given the snaps that he was given, I really liked what Zach Pascal brought again for another season. I mean, man, 629 yards is no joke either. Like, he, it's crazy that the Colts had – we talk about how much they spread the ball around. They still had three guys over 500 yards receiving, uh, which I think is really awesome in terms of receivers. So, yeah, Zach Pascal, like you said, what can you say about him except, man, Mr. Reliable, the type of guy you want in your locker room, and so much love for Zach Pascal. He's been on the podcast before. He's been He's great, man. Shout out to you, Zach, if you ever tune into this one, hear what we got to say about you, man. Uh, you're awesome, dude. You're a great, reliable receiver. We hope to have you around for a long, long time. Absolutely. All right, so we get into the bread and butter here of, mm. you know, some of the leftover guys who – 
also didn't get to really finish much of the season and were key parts of the offense when the wide receiver options were limited. We're going to avoid talking about Naheem Hines and Taylor or avoid talking about the tight ends because we're going to talk about them here soon. But let's talk about the guy who was injured in week two, and now is Paris Campbell. You know, I'm still getting a lot of questions about, you know, should we look back and say that we picked the wrong receiver? I can't tell that yet. I really can't because, you know, anyone can get hit with injuries. This kind of stuff happens. And we're really hoping that, you know, Paris Campbell doesn't have to have a torn MCL or whatever it is that he had, you know, the MCL, PCL, all that jazz. You know, it was just a freak accident. I mean, terrible, terrible thing to have happen. But, you know, I know the Colts are still high on him. Uh, Ballard Mm -hmm. did mention in his presser that, you know, they're still excited to see what Paris Campbell can do. I mean, in the two games that he was in, uh, or the one game, one game and about five quarters and five quarters that Paris right. Campbell got to play in this season had six catches for 71 yards with a long of 21 yards. So you saw yeah. in five quarters that Paris Campbell's immediate impact was already showing that, you know, he was, he was averaging almost 12 yards a catch. And I'm sure those numbers would have escalated very highly if, you know, Harrison Smith didn't blow out his knee. So, you know, do you still have confidence in Paris Campbell going forward, or do you think this could be the end for him? No, I think it's far from the end for Paris Campbell. I mean, you mentioned it. Like, the GM is saying, man, it's just a freak injury. That's what we were saying throughout the whole year. And something that you brought up earlier about Paris Campbell that I think, you know, for those people who are claiming Paris Paris Campbell injury prone, all this stuff, he had no injuries, significant injuries at Ohio State. Like, none. So this guy didn't have an injury history leading up to these kind of freak injuries that's happened to him the last couple years with the Colts, honestly. You know, this one is like, man, it just happens and it sucks. But, like, that doesn't mean Paris Campbell's injury prone, in my opinion. You know, it's just like it's an unfortunate thing. It was a good hit. It wasn't a dirty hit. It just – he hit right at the wrong place where it just shattered so many things you mentioned. MCL, PCL, every – it seemed like his whole knee was destroyed, man. And so I feel for Paris Campbell. But, you know, you mentioned that stat line. That was all pretty much in one game. I mean, I think that was about the first touch in that game when Paris Campbell – Got that injury. So, you know, that tells you right there, pretty much in his first game, he had over 70 yards and was looking really, really explosive. I think he was probably the best offensive player for the Colts in that week one game against Jacksonville, uh, quite honestly. I mean, he was explosive. You know, you just throw, you just get you know him, him across the middle, man, he's gone. I mean, he can make plays. And so, yeah, I think it's something where obviously you're concerned because it's been two years in a row. But on the same hand, you know, Paris Campbell's never really had an injury history before. So you got to hope that, man, it was just some unfortunate things. He's, I feel like he's been one of the most unfortunate guys in the first couple of years of his career. It's just nothing that he can do about it, man. Uh, so, you know, he got his body right this past offseason, and then this freak injury happened. So, you know, with a small sample size that we've seen of Paris Campbell, man, if you can just if he can just avoid those freak injuries, uh, the sky's the limit for, for number 15, quite honestly. Yeah, I totally agree. All right, we'll talk here in groups of the last guys who had chances to play in some games but didn't really get to have much of an impact outside of the beginning of the year, and that was Ashton Doolin, and we have Marcus Johnson and Darius Fountain. So we know what Marcus Johnson did early in the year when wide receivers were thin. He stepped in again, and 
especially in that Bengals game, really had a phenomenal game. Five catches for over 100 yards. You know, Ashton Doolin provides a few different options. And Michael Harris is in there as well. You know, had a couple of passes to him, but they name, mainly used him for, you know, sweeps and options in the backfield. It kind of opens the game up a little bit. You know, that was somebody that a lot of people really wanted to see more of. And then Darius Fountain, we all know, brought to the practice squad again midway through the season. So, I mean, what do you think here, Cody, for these guys? I mean, we obviously know what Marcus Johnson did for Indianapolis at the beginning of the year. Stinks that he wasn't able to retain a spot on the roster like at a certain part later in the season. It does, but you know, that's what you brought him in for, man, to just fill in when needed. And it sucks that he had to have that injury near the end of the year that took him out for the rest of the year. But yeah, I did like what Marcus Johnson brought, you know, and I think I would bring him back, honestly. I mean, he's just consistently with a wide receiver goes down. Marcus Johnson has stepped in and performed admirably. I mean, quite honestly, I would bring him back. He's still a young guy. He's still learning. He knows this offense really well. But yeah, in the, in the times that he was needed, I really liked what I saw from Marcus Johnson. Really the last three years, whenever he's been needed, he's been a guy that's made some plays. So I would bring him back. I liked what he brought, but yeah, it just kind of sucks. I mean, you had those three year three we just mentioned. So it was kind of like, man, well, we don't really have a huge need for him right now. But saying that, man, you never know an injury is going to happen in the NFL. So I liked what Marcus Johnson brought. I would bring him back, quite honestly. And then DeMichael Harris. I love DeMichael Harris and what he brought. It's a shame we didn't get him more touches because I honestly thought he could fill a similar role maybe to like a Paris Campbell because he's a very speedy wide receiver as well. But uh, the times that they did use him, I liked what I saw from DeMichael Harris. So here's to hoping maybe he has a little bit more of a role here in, in the upcoming season than 2021 season. But yeah, DeMichael Harris, Ashton doing more of a special teams guy, made a few catches there, but nothing really to write home about. And then Reese Fountain really didn't do a whole lot, quite honestly. was in between the practice squad pretty much the whole year. Got elevated a couple times, but really never made an impact. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, out of any of these guys, I'd probably say I liked what I saw from Johnson and Harris the most. But uh, these other two guys can fill in when needed, and they're they're key special teams guys as well. Yeah, so if we kind of break down some of the individual stats here for yeah. uh, the receivers, I'm looking at the receiving stats for the whole team in general. And so the person who obviously played in the most games was Zach Paschal this year. The one who was targeted the most of any person on the roster was T.Y. Hilton, and it actually wasn't even close. He actually had about 22 more targets than the next highest person, and that was Zach Paschal. Quite hard to believe given the fact that, you know, it, it, there was multiple times midway through that season where Hilton was getting targeted like maybe three, four times a game. So it was kind of weird to see him do that, but, you know, the leading receiver – Amongst the actual receivers was T.Y. Hilton with 56 catches. The leading receiver on the whole team was Naheem Hines. And then mm -hmm. the top three receiving leaders, T.Y. Hilton with 762, Zach Pascal with 630, and Michael Pittman with 503. So three wide receivers there, all getting the yardage, all averaging over almost 13 yards per catch, which is pretty good. But here's the one thing that concerns me here, Cody, and we're going to talk about the grade here in a minute. The yeah. Colts had 24 receiving touchdowns this year, and only 11 of those came from wide receivers. Only 11. So yeah. T.Y. Hilton had five of them. 
Zach Pascal had five of them. Michael Pittman had one. So Marcus Johnson never had one this year. Obviously, Paris Campbell never got a chance to. You know, I mean, it's just, it's been mainly, it's been the tight ends or it's been the running backs that have been doing it more than everybody else. So, you know, that's something that concerns me. I don't know if that really concerns you, but I feel like in the red zone, I feel like the wide receivers need to start being more active and need to be more involved because we've said before all season that this offense has been kind of predictable, right? That's either running the football or they're doing some kind of trickery with the tight ends. I don't mind doing that every now and again, but I feel like it would be nice to know we have a wide receiver that in the red zone can be that number one guy. I, I agree for sure. And I'm not as concerned, I guess, because we know how much, like you said, Reich likes to use his tight ends. He had three really good ones. So he, he likes to use those guys, excuse me, really, really a lot. But yeah, you're right. Like a guy like Michael Pittman, you got to get him more touchdowns. You got to get him more red zone targets. Honestly, that was something that was, like we said, a little bit confusing. Even Zach Pascal's not a small guy. He's over six foot. So, you know, maybe getting him a little bit more. But yeah, you're right. The wide receivers maybe just need to get a little bit more looks in the red zone. I would like to see that improve definitely going into this next season. But yeah, overall, you know, I, I liked what I got from this group. It wasn't spectacular. They were solid, but there certainly are things like you mentioned, like the touchdowns that need to improve going forward. Well, and you know, when it came to yards after catch, we all know that Naheem Hines certainly is one of those guys that, you know, just makes that happen. You know, 475 yards after the catch which is incredible. He had 482 yards receiving 475 of those came after the catch. That's weird. That's weird to hear. That just reminds you of how many catches he had in the backfield and just going and making plays. One thing that's a good thing. One thing we've always seen about T.Y. Hilton is I've said it earlier in the podcast earlier in the year that, you know, every time Hilton catches the ball, it just seems to be a first down. He led the team in receiving first downs with 42 first downs when catching the ball. So, you know, 42 of his 56 receptions resulted in a first down. So, you know, that's one great thing you always see with T.Y. Hilton always seeming to find a good one. So, you know, again, I just think that this group is just searching for that number one guy that can make that big play. But overall, I do feel confident that this group can continue to grow going forward. Yeah, you got a couple of really young guys there. Actually, a good amount outside of T.Y. Hilton are pretty young. They're under you know, 25 or something around there. So I definitely agree. And that is like I would say as a collective unit, it's a pretty solid unit. But like you said, they just don't have an alpha dog wide receiver anymore. T.Y. Hilton is the closest thing to it. And let's face it, he's getting older. I mean, that's not a slant at T.Y. Hilton. That's just logic. Like, that just that's just true. So, yeah, I think you're right. Whether it is Michael Pittman, whether you do go sign a guy in free agency, whether you address it in the draft, you got to find that number one wide receiver. You got to find a guy that just scares you, man, that really just makes defensive coordinators, like I mentioned, you know, game plan, double team him, take it away because we know how much the Colts like to spread it around. So if you're taking away number one wide receiver, these other guys can have plenty of opportunities. It's kind of like the DeForest Buckner effect, right? That we talked about it earlier in the off season. DeForest Buckner is going to get a lot of double teams, which he did command a lot this year. 
And what's it do? It allows guys like Justin Houston, Danico Autry, Grover Stewart, all these guys, Tyquan Lewis, all these guys to get more and more one-on-one opportunities. And the same goes for a number one wide receiver, man. If they double team him, they're committing more resources to that guy. So these other guys can make plays. So that's what I definitely agree with you there. I think that's what the Colts are missing. If they can address that, if Michael Pittman can grow into that, the Colts are going to be set at wide receiver. All right, so let's give our final grade on this group this year from what we've seen. We talked about this before the stream, so why don't you go ahead and tell, since you and I agreed on the grade that we're going to give this group, why don't you go ahead and tell everyone what we gave this wide receiver group for the 2020 season? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been better than the past than we've seen the last few years. That's absolutely for sure. But there still was some things, like you mentioned, like receiving touchdowns and then just different things like that, that you can't make us give it like, you know, what we gave the running backs or, you know, what we gave whatever, whatever we'll give like some of the better units. So I think overall we gave it around a B minus. So that's not bad. I mean, that's still pretty solid, you know, in the low 80s. So we still think, you know, there's a lot of opportunity. I was going off of upside. If we were going off upside, we'd probably give it a lot higher grade than a B minus. But as it stands from their performance in 2020 with how slow some of these guys got off to the races, especially the top two wide receivers, I think a B minus is fair. What are you thinking on that, Derek? Yeah, I totally agree with you. You're right. It just it came down to the fact that, you know, at, at the beginning of the season, just everybody was off to a slow start. And, you know, you saw you saw them start to pick it up. I think that's why we gave them a B minus because at the end of the season we were starting to see this group start to take those steps, those necessary steps to remind people that they need to be respected. But, you know, there's still a lot of room for improvement. And I think that's a honest grade for that. All right. So I think that's going to be do it for this one, guys. Thank you so much. Let us know what you think of this wide receiver group. What's the grade that you would give them? What's some things they need to improve on? Some things they did well on. And be sure to check out our other ones that we did with the quarterbacks and the running backs. Going to be doing the tight ends and other groups coming up here soon. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. 